Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals broadcaster Dave Pash. My guest this week is simply one of the best in the business. One of the most talented guys on radio or television. The one, the only, Scott Van Pelt. If you have an opportunity and you're watching a game, you know that after the game's over, you want to stick around because not only are you going to hear from Scott on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt, but you're going to hear from great guests. Oftentimes, it's the players themselves that just played in the game, or it's another analyst from ESPN breaking down the game you just watched. It's one of the best shows on TV. Scott does a great job. Stanford Steve, who's part of the production team, does a great job. Scott's one of my favorites in this business, so talented. And it's great to catch up with Scott on so many things like, how did this come about in terms of SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt? How much being a radio talk show host prepared him for this role? What you get to share there is who you are, what you think, what matters to you. If you, I don't mind being you know, vulnerable and sharing part of my life, um, then your audience gets to know you as a human, not just some person they see on television. And they, they care about your life. We also talk about the Arizona Cardinals, the NFL, his team, the Washington Commanders, and much more. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM Touchdown Boost Token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost every Cardinals touchdown, and your boost can be used on the following week's game. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbook and official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time for our conversation with the great Scott Van Pelt. So, Scott, you probably don't even remember, but we actually met in the 90s. Both of us had hair. I think you were at the Golf Channel, and it was at a U.S. Open, and Mike Tirico introduced us. Um, I don't know that I've actually seen you in person since. We always see each other on TV when you know we have a late game and we're throwing it to you or whatever. But uh, happy for your success, man. It's uh, It's been incredible to watch. What year is this now for – Sports Center with SVP. Is it year eight? Did you guys start in 2015? Yes, yes. We 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 just began our eighth uh, year, and you know it's funny just to backpedal on just sort of how all of us in this goofy business sort of know each other. I feel like so many of us have done what you're explaining, right? We we've crossed paths somewhere. It's in a press room. It's on a field. It's by an 18th green. It's whatever, and then you go do your thing and I go do mine. And, and we're certainly aware of and, and rooting for each other as we watch and uh, you know, things evolve and you've obviously done great stuff as well and continue to get to do all that. And I've been lucky too. And I just feel like I'm, I, I really enjoy how, how our fraternity of slash sorority, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's a, it really is a fraternal thing. I, I find that mostly we root for each other. I don't know if people get that, um, but that's always how I feel is yeah. that people mostly, and then, you know, every now and then you meet people that just suck, but that's just life. <laughs> I mean, that's not exclusive to any specific occupation, but mostly it's a really cool and supportive family. Um, cause it's such, it's such a weird gig to do, uh, where you're on the road and weekends aren't necessarily weekends and holidays might not be holidays and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, we, we signed up to do this late night thing and it, it's been fun. It was a total 
basically like just a whiteboard, you know, empty. Do, do what you want with it. And they've let us kind of do our own thing. And some stuff has stuck and others didn't. And mostly we just come on after games because we like to watch sports and try to reflect that and how we cover it. But it's been it's really been not anything I ever dreamt would happen, that's for sure. So, Scotty, how did it go down with the approach? Who, who approached you at ESPN about the idea? Was this something that you pitched them? How did it all come together? Because you were obviously doing – a lot of different things at the time, including your radio yep. show, and you were doing some Thursday college football, pre and post, and doing Sports Center. How, how did this show in particular come about? It was John Wildhack was in, in charge at the time. He's now uh, at Syracuse as an AD. Um, and uh, good for the Orange, having a nice year this fall, and frankly could have won on Saturday at Clemson. That's neither here nor there. Uh, John Skipper was our president at the time, and the conversation was just kind of an organic, what do you want to do sort of a thing. And I thought, I said, it'd be pretty cool to be able to take the idea of radio and bring it to Sports Center and have it a little bit less structured, but not just entirely abandon the notion of who won the games and what were the cool things that happened. And so it was, it was just out of that conversation. I, I, it was the type of thing where I never thought, they do it. I mean, Sports Center, as you know, is has always been this sacred sort of a brand, and the idea that they give me the keys to the car, so to speak, and let me go where I wanted, um, I just didn't think it had happened. But then, to John Wildhack's credit, he he said, speak like to use the car analogy. He said, "Look, I don't want you to stay in the middle lane. I mean, treat it like there's a lot of a lot of lanes that you can explore and and you know see what you want and see what works and what doesn't." And so. Um, that's that was it. I mean, it was just kind of born out of that idea that that it, maybe it would work. And it, it was it wasn't like it was a high stakes gamble. It was you know it's midnight, you know, it, and the space after games matters. That real estate's important. But if it just didn't sort of take, then we could have just punted. But you know, it worked well enough that we're continuing to do it. And you know, on a night like t- on Monday tonight, as you and I talk, we follow a. Um, the Bears and the Patriots, and then Tuesday we follow the NHL, then Wednesday we follow the NBA, and and I mean, it's I still love games. I, I'm sure you do, too. If you didn't, you wouldn't call them, yeah, right? I mean, right. You, it, it, the, watching games is still endlessly interesting because things happen you just can't ever imagine, and greatness that happens, and disappointment and all of it, and we get to document that, and that's sort of, uh, that's the space we've lived in since um, whatever it was, 2015, I guess it was, that fall. And we will be throwing it to you Wednesday. I'm doing Lakers-Denver. It's uh, J.J. Redick and Richard Jefferson. It's the first time that the two have worked a game together. So I'll actually be throwing it to you after we're done. Like I said, I haven't seen you in 25 years, but we end up talking <laughs> yeah, on national television. all the time. Yeah, That's so. the business in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I think your show has worked is because you're so likable on the air, and I'm curious, how much do you think the radio show helped in that regard? I had Golik on a few weeks ago and I got to do one college football season with Mike and just seeing the number of people that are just attracted to him and his personality. And I feel like for a play-by-play announcer, for the most part, you're playing a role. You're calling a game. You're not really putting your personality out there. Although maybe it's different when I do college basketball with Bill Walton, because you can't help but, you know, get into conversations outside of just calling the game. My job is to document the game as a, as a, talk show host on radio or doing sports center you you're allowed to have your personality really out there and people gravitate to you scott how much do you think doing the talk show 
combined with all your history with SportsCenter, helped create what you've got going now? Enormously, because what what you learn in radio, which I've said and I'll say again, was the hardest thing that I did, and and I don't know what else could be harder in this in this in this field because it requires hours and hours and hours of conversation and interesting conversation and it's every day and it's a lot a whole lot and Rosillo helped me massively just to know you know I've always credited him for saying you know okay well we'll talk about the the Bears and Patriots and the A block wait what's the topic right just saying you're going to talk about the game fine well what's the topic what's interesting about the topic is it fields is it who's the quarterback in New England is it Bill Belichick narrowing that down but anyone can do that. Anyone on radio can talk about sports. What you get to share there is who you are, what you think, what matters to you. If you, I'm, I don't mind being, you know, vulnerable and sharing part of my life, um, the highs and the lows. Um, talking about losing our dog Otis, our Rhodesian Ridgeback, this past spring. I mean, it, it was. I mean, you're going to bare your soul. I sat on television and bawled about my dog. I can't tell you, Dave, how many times. Just, I was at a Maryland football game this weekend. It was homecoming. These strangers come up to me, and they say, the thing you did about your dog, that thing you said about Otis, they know his name. I said, my, I tell my, my wife, like our dog became famous posthumously, you know? And when you share yourself in the way that Mike and Mike did in the mornings about their children and watching their kids grow up and sharing that part of their lives, if you're willing to, then your audience gets to know you as a human, not just some person they see on television. And they... They care about your life if you're willing to share it, and I've done that. And so um, undoubtedly that part has helped. I think people recognize that I like sports. I tell them where I'm from. They know I'm a Terp. When Maryland gets you know beat, then I get I got to wear it. I get heckled. But when they win, people know I'm psyched, and they're psyched for me. Um, so th- that, cu- coupled with having done SportsCenter for a long time, getting to sit alongside a guy like Neil Everett, who we had a great relationship with, alongside Stuart Scott, who he and I had a great thing. You have all these different ways that you connect to an audience. And um, radio was the one that made it really personal. And, um, and so that's been a, a, a huge, huge help to um, ha- connecting to an audience because now it's harder than ever, easier than, than ever to have a show harder than ever to connect to people because there's so many of them to sort of choose from. Yeah. You mentioned Neil. I've gotten to know Neil a little bit through uh, Bill Walton. Neil will come to some of the Oregon UCLA games and then we'll go out to dinner. I think they also have a tequila company together. I don't know. Neil will shout out Azunia sometimes if people are watching sports center and they just hear Neil shout that out. Or if you hear Mm -hmm. Bill shout that out, apparently it's a tequila company that I think they. Well, there you go. It wouldn't surprise me. It could be anything with those guys, uh, as we know. Neil's one of the truly. He's my brother forever. I love him. Um, He's such a such a gentle, kind, unique soul, man. I'm just so blessed that I got to know him. I don't know if you'd say the same of Bill. (laughs) Uh, I watching you guys. I don't want to turn the tables on you, but I do. May I ask one question? Oh yeah, of course. Ask whatever. Do whatever you want. How do you? How do you do it? Because we had Bill on once, and I, he's such a joy. But it's like getting on a ride in an amusement park and not knowing where it ends. Yeah. So you probably are aware of this. Uh, it, has been out, it is out there that they're doing a, a 30 for 30 on Bill yes. and his whole life. And a big part of it is obviously going to be his playing days. I mean, they interviewed Kareem, Dr. J, 
Larry Bird, Magic John. I mean, you name it, Michael Jordan, they, they interviewed. Well, I met with them in March for about an hour because uh-huh. they wanted to do a piece on Bill with the broadcasting. And they were, they were asking the same questions and, you know, how do you do it and what's the key? And I think I've had other teammates of his, including Lionel Hollins, who was a teammate of his with the Blazers, tell me uh-huh. this, that Bill views me as Kareem and that I'm kind of his rival, but I'm his teammate. So for the audience's sake, we're rivals. But okay. when the when the lights are not on and we're not on the air, we're teammates. Does that does that make sense? Like I, I guess I grasped that and that helped me understand, okay, it's not personal, it's a game. This is part of the entertainment and it allows him to feel like he's playing in game seven of the NBA finals against Kareem. It it, it makes sense. Uh, it's just it takes a rare talent to be able to do it so capably. I, I feel like you and, and Benetti, I remember watching Benetti in Maui and just being blown away because, I, I mean, it's Dayton's playing whomever at noon it's, or something, and he it's like, you know, have you read Bonfire of the Vanities or something? And I'm thinking, oh, this poor guy. And Benetti hits it back at him with pace, and then just for the next two hours, it's just this running who knows what. But the ability that you have to weave in the actual calling of the game, which matters to the to Oregon UCLA fans that are watching, they'd like to just have some sort of you know context of the play by play, but also never missing where the he's meandering. I just I marvel at it, and I just uh, but I also know. I mean, I, I don't do play by play, so I don't try to put myself in that seat. I just, but I think it's it's a truly a rare man or a woman that could sit there and actually do it, and you're great at it. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I think a lot of it too is just we're we're very different, but we're both accepting of the other, and our personalities and our beliefs and backgrounds. And you know, one of the greatest compliments I got, and this was very early on. This was 2013 or 14. I had done mm-hmm. the Pac-12 championship game with Bill, and I had a Warriors game. I think it was the next night or two nights later. I walk in at the time. First of all, Luke. Bill's son is one of the assistant coaches. I walk in and Luke comes over to me and gives me a hug. Like you, you look like you need a hug and we're doing (laughs) this. And so, and then we go to a sit down with Steph Curry and we're about to start. And Steph goes, why didn't you answer his question? I said, excuse me. He goes, you didn't answer Bill's question. I'm like, Steph, what are you talking about? He goes, Bill asked if you had ever been inside of a volcano while it's erupting and you didn't answer it. I'm like, because I just kind of blew off the question, which I do a lot. I think actually sure. people kind of enjoy that more than if you actually answer it. I don't know. Right. That, that, but how cool is that? that and and you, you asked earlier about having a radio show, and I said about sharing my life. I did a thing about my daughter on the show once in a segment we call One Big Thing. The, oh, yeah. the, the night after I did it, it was her birthday. She was six. And Steph scores 23 in the fourth. They beat Houston in Houston to knock them out of the playoffs and Steph Curry is on with us and I'm, he's always gracious and I'm trying to let him go and I'm trying to say goodbye. And he says, no, wait, wait, hold on. That thing you did last night about your daughter, man. I, it, I mean, you just, those things blow you away. Don't yeah. they? I mean, you know, someone's out there on the other side of, of the, of the television, but when it's somebody that you're talking about on the television and they're consuming it actively, I think that's not that it's better or worse than sure. anybody listening to you and me talk right now. But I just don't know that you're ever really prepared for that, right? Right. 
And it's affirmation that you're what you're doing is bringing joy to somebody else, right? You're entertaining, which yeah, is they, we're they supposed landed to do. in a way that you know. I mean, Steph, what? So have you? You? I assume who's it, who? Who among us has been inside a volcano when it's erupting? And no, of course I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you say that, it kind of you know you almost better off just kind of going back to the game, right? Um, no, exactly. Uh, that's the, that's the thing. I you. It's like having. It's like my kid in the car in the back. I just I I, I answer lots other stuff that's just. Non sequiturs. I just figure oh, he doesn't really want to know that. If he does, he'll ask again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Well, let's um, let's talk a little football. Uh, I'm curious because you know, obviously, you're watching games all the time, and right. you know, you're on after the Thursday night game, so you watched the Cardinals beat the Saints last week. Uh, I did. G- give me your sense of what you think. They're three and four. They are a game out of first place in the NFC West, despite struggling mightily offensively for the most part this season. Which is so weird because, just to be honest with your listeners, I mean, I know Cliff a long time. I like him. He's an easy guy to like, right? Fair enough? Yeah, great guy. Right, right. So, we, I mean, I go back to, the, like, the college days, and we had him on with, you know, a lot during our Rosillo days on radio, and it's just like, I didn't, I mean, I thought, like a lot of people, I thought he was going to be the SC, you know, offensive coordinator, and then, well, it took a left, and, as he said a couple of weeks ago, like I'm, this is new to me. I've never struggled with offense. When they went to Seattle and scored nine points, I thought, "Whoa, what are we looking at here?" Now we get a little more context with Seattle, and you think, you know, like good for Pete Carroll, good for them. They're 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 competitive. You know, they're they're leading the West. Good for Geno Smith. Good for the whole bunch of them. Um, the way things have gone. But I have a friend that always says, "If you say good for you, it sounds like it's it sounds patronizing." But I'm I'm being sincere. Yeah, I'm, I, I I think it's great that they've done as well as they have when everyone thought they were just sort of punting on the present. Well, it doesn't look like they are. I think the good news for Arizona, clearly, is you're not in division with Philadelphia. You don't find yourself miles behind the leader. Um, and you get – you need to be better at home, obviously. That's no secret. But, I, you know, what? I, I, looked at, I looked at Arizona's schedule before the bye, and there's not a single game that is easy on there, not one. And But there's also not a single game that I think isn't – if they won, it would surprise me because I think the NFL right now is as weird as I've ever remembered it. Um, just in terms of how few teams I really accept as being excellent. I mean, Minnesota's record says they're really good. I mean, are they? I don't know. I watched how they beat Detroit. It felt like they stole one. Um, I watched how they beat New Orleans. Same thing, kind of. Um, and so I don't know that they're really good or not. And, and when I watch Arizona and I see uh, Nuke come back, I think instantly – Man, that's that's the difference a guy makes. Like when I watch Aaron Rodgers struggle, I think how much of that's not having seventeen, a guy he just trusts on third and five to get him a first down, keep the ball, move the chains. I think a lot. Well, how many times did, did Hopkins get targeted in that Thursday? It was like fourteen, yeah. I think. And you instantly see the connection that, that that they have with one another, and how much of a difference does that make to an offense? A ton. So, I mean. I think they'll, they're likely to be better. Uh, I, I think with, with the two bags that filled in for Connor last week, they both played well. Um, it sucks that Hollywood Brown got hurt, but you know maybe more can stay healthy. You've got enough weapons out there that, that at some point I just have to believe the offense is going to look like it's capable of looking. And when it does, then there's no reason that Arizona can't win enough games to be in the mix for a, for a playoff spot, particularly given what the West is. Um, but – if they want to mess around and play like they've played at home, or they want to mess around and play like they played up at uh, up in Seattle, 
then looking at these games before the bye, there's not one of them that looks like an obvious win to me either. So I don't know if that's reasonable, but from a long way away, that's that's what I've noticed when I watch him play. To your point, though, the NFL, it is it is crazier than ever. Who, who saw Carolina pummeling Tampa Bay and Brady looking as pedestrian as he has? And, Agreed. You know, look that. That was that was that was that was a str- I said on the show on Sports Center like uh, like that. I, in in the end of the year, like towards December, uh, I'll, I'll I always sort of say this is the best win, the worst loss of the day because the stakes are such that you know if you're in the mix, you just can't afford this loss. It, it's premature to say that you know something's the worst loss of the day, but I didn't think it was yesterday. I think if you're Carolina and you've traded away your best player on Thursday night and you're on your third string quarterback and you're sort of trying to figure out what are we going to be. You're not supposed to be Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, and and Tampa Bay is awful on Sunday, awful. Yeah. They scored three points, and and I wouldn't say they were lucky to do that because they got in the red zone. But Brady looks a mess, Rogers looks a mess. I'm I'm here in Washington. I mean, Washington beat Green Bay. Those two together, he, we keep. I think we do this thing where we just presume good teams are good forever, and then and then when they're not, you just sort of baffled by it. Well, I'm baffled, but neither one of those teams looks like a good football team right now. You, you obviously have uh, a close connection to Washington, and I, I'd love to know your thoughts there on the team, first of all. And then also, you got Jim Mercer taking shots at Daniel Snyder, trying to you know force a sale of an ownership. Um, you know, we have that here that in Phoenix with Robert Sarver. That was eye-opening to me. That yeah. was eye-opening. Um, because, again, I keep referencing things I've said on SportsCenter, but it's just obviously that was the topic of conversation. And we had Dan Graziano on, and I said, I don't know this to be true, but I can't imagine that, that Jim is out there saying that on his own. I clearly think he would. I don't think Jim needs anyone's permission to say what he thinks, but I don't presume that he's out there saying that unless he believes that there are others in the room that feel the same. Um, there's a significant ch- – hold on a second. Hold on a second. We have, we have to manage, we have to manage oh, the room. Fellas? Oh, Fellas, I have two young kids. We have WrestleMania. Can't have it. Can't have it. Hands to ourselves. Hands to ourselves. Okay. So far, we're failing. So far, we're failing as a dad. The amount of listening that's going on is minimal. I've been there, brother. I've been there, man. Oh, I, I feel for you. Uh-oh. This is what happens when you have kids in your 40s and you're an old guy. You have you have three timeouts. If you need to use one, on, you can. Hold on, hold on one second. Oh, yeah. um, so on the Ursay bit, I, I don't presume that he – speaks uh, without feeling like there's some consensus is an overstatement. That there's somebody else in the room that feels that way. And that's eye-opening because typically these guys don't break rank. And so in D.C., as you can imagine, that plays really well because people here largely would love to see something change uh, in regards to ownership. Um, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since they've been any good. And if you're an older guy like me, you remember when they were great. So – um, it's, it's just, it's it, that it's just the energy around it is just such that they, they've lost the fan base. If you'd have told me when I was a young man that someday Washington would be last in the NFL in attendance, I would have just fought you on site just on principle hmm. because that's, that's an impossibility that never could have happened. And it has. And so, I mean, it just, it's, I guess it speaks to that anything could happen, um, if you think back to the RFK days and what was, and now to the FedEx days with, you know, stadium largely is overtaken by whoever they're playing that week. And I don't know, it's just sad. I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's an incredibly sad state of affairs. 
And, you know, I, I think Ursay saying that had a lot of people here that are in that sort of sell the team camp saying, wow, what does this mean? Well, it hasn't meant anything yet. Um, I just I have no idea what will happen next, but a lot of Washington fans are just sort of waiting to see. A couple more, and then uh, we'll let you go. Um, so we kind of mentioned a second ago about the dog. So, and I texted you. You you had uh, done the story this summer on on Otis, and I I don't even have a dog. And I texted you to tell you, man, I was like I was emotional watching it. I don't have a dog. Uh, I haven't had a dog since I was a kid, and I was emotional. Right. Uh, so right. you get the new puppy. And the puppy, Kevin Clark was on this pod, I think actually the week that happened. It might have been the week before. Uh, what happened, and how did you guys survive to get through it, given what was going on in the background? Well, um, it was kind of you. you. You were one of many people that reached out and showed you know, kindness after we lost our, our dog. It was, it was horribly sad. Anyone that's ever had a dog knows just how much they mean and how integral they are to the family. And we thought following the summer when we were traveling so much that maybe we'd have the time to actually pay attention and, and correctly take care of a puppy because it's a great deal of work. So um, Otis was, and our, our dog Red is, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and they're, they're, they end up being these big balls of muscle, and um, he's going to be a big, big guy eventually. At the moment, he's little. Um, but what dogs and all living creatures do, Dave, is they poop. And so he came walking in behind me. Uh, as I looked uh, into the uh, Zoom camera. And like a true star, he got right into the frame, and he squared up his shoulders, and he squatted, and he took a big old dump. And so I took a, I took a 20, and then we went ahead and made it a full, and uh, we cleaned up the mess, and, um, and we carried on, because what else are we to do? Uh, he's a puppy. He's going to do puppy things. But uh, th- those things continue. They're just not happening on, on podcasts. It's just you're sort of... <laughs> scurrying around behind the guy making sure right. he can get outside but um you know what? he's the new guy in town and we're we're grateful to have uh the new pup and it's just very different because otis we got uh, right after i got married and so it was just me and my bride at the time mm-hmm. we now introduce the new guy into this chaos some of which you got a chance to hear uh with with three young kids and now a puppy and so Mostly, I just uh, try to survive until I get to leave for the sanctuary of work. <laughs> what time do you normally go in? Uh, how long are the meetings and the prep to do a show? And what time do you get out of there? And then, are, are you like a you go to bed at four in the morning, wake up at noon type person? It, it's it's not I, so that we meet at like four thirty Eastern. We do we do a Zoom. Um, I think a lot of the things that sort of came out of COVID is that we realized we don't need to be in the office sitting there for that many hours. It's sort of counterproductive. Uh, so we, we meet via Zoom because we can just as effectively do that. We probably meet for between a half an hour. Sometimes it could go as long as an hour when there's a lot going on. You're trying to sort out what's going to fit and what isn't. And I generally get to – I'll eat at home with our family and um, head in sometime in the 7 o'clock hour and – on a night like Monday, as you and I are talking, we'll do our pod. Steve and I will do our pod tonight. We'll watch. We'll do the Monday night game. We'll come on when it's over. Depending on when the game ends, we'll be live until maybe 1230, sometimes 1. And, you know, Sunday night was chaos because the Yankee game got pushed back. I should say the Astros, they won. The Astro game got pushed hmm. back due to rain. So it ends as we come on live, which meant that in TV, the first segment's called the A-Block. The A block for the re-air show, 
was live at 1.30 in the morning. That's not normally the way things go. So Sunday was a long night. Didn't get home till 3. Well, I slept till probably 11 today. Um, but it's just it's just weird sort of third shift life. You know what I mean? Like sure. you, you operate um, during a time frame where there's nobody on the roads coming home at night, which is great. Um, you're able to pick up your kids from school during the day. You're, you're present for a lot of stuff that a lot of folks might miss. And then you miss some weird stuff that other people wouldn't, you know? So, but this is sort of what we signed up for. But, um, you know, I'd be doing it anyway. I, I, I watch the games mostly when I'm off just because they interest me. So, um, you know, the, the schedule is, is different than most, but it's, it's kind of the only thing I've done for 20-whatever years. So now it's just very – it's like a very well-worn-in lane, you know what I mean? Well, listen, I, I'll let you go because I know you got to get back to the fam. I, I could ask you about 100 more questions. Um, I, we're good. No one's bleeding. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's still upright. If you have, I mean, if we could go rapid fire, I just want okay. to answer questions. Well, sure. Good. Okay, rapid fire. Uh, yeah. Is favorite guest, meaning favorite regular, mine for your show is Tim Legler. Do you have a favorite? Or I don't want you, I don't want you to get in trouble if you answer this, but do you have one? Oh, I see what you mean. Well, I mean, no, I, I, I honestly don't because – when I'm talking to Damian Woody, I'm having a blast. When we have Ryan Clark on after Monday Night Football, I think, how does this man have the energy when he was on Get Up this morning? When we have legs on, I think nobody's smarter telling me about basketball than this guy. When we, and when we have people sort of, you know, different athletes that I've had the chance to talk to through the years, um, I'd say Pat Beverly was always one I loved just because I thought he was just so, so himself, yeah. you know? I mean, and now, you know, you're seeing him do some stuff in like a podcast space, which only makes sense. And, you saw him do some media last year after they got uh, the season ended that didn't surprise me at all. I thought he'd always really kind of uh, break. He, he'd cut through with people just because he doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm lucky to have so many people that whenever Tim Kirkjian pops up, uh, I think, oh, here's my guy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so many of those. Doris Burke talking basketball with Doris. Yeah. I could talk to DB until the cows come yeah. home. So I'm lucky in that sense that there's so many people I enjoy. I hear from Stanford Steve often during college basketball season for obvious reasons because he's Stanford Steve and we're doing Pac-12 games. How long have you known and worked with Stanford Steve? He became our producer on radio um, a couple of years in with me and Ryan. And knowing him as you do, you can understand how easy it is to, to, uh, to just sort of latch onto the guy. He's, he's great company. He's funny. Um, he's an incredible sports fan, knows more about more than anyone that I know. Um, and it's, it's blows my mind. Like I, I get, I know why I remember my team's regional path, you know, cause it was my team, but he remembers just, oh, I remember 92, uh, the West regional was in Phoenix. And you're like, what? And he's never wrong. It's just, uh, it's just one of those people encyclopedic knowledge. And Oh, by the way, he was the number one recruit in high school when he came out of, uh, of high school. He was a five-star yeah. guy. Uh, but he never big times you. So we, we just sort of instantly hit it off because he was just such great company and um, an amazingly loyal friend. And I've told this story often, but for your listeners, I just the Cliff's Notes was when we had that meeting with Wild Hack and talked about doing the show. I said, look, Stanford Steve needs to be on. And they're like, well, what is he going to do? I said, well, he's going to be Stanford Steve. And they said, well, what is that? And I said, I don't really know, but it's just, trust me. He's yeah. just, I need him to be there. Otherwise, I, I'll feel sort of, you know, uh, naked and alone. Well, you guys yeah, have feel, great chemistry, oh, I too. Feel, I feel much more comfortable with his presence. And you guys have great chemistry. It, it's I, I enjoy when, when you have him on. Um, all right, last one. Not the fake SVP is your Twitter handle. At some point, will you 
impersonated? Is that why you did that, or were you just trying to be? Because it really like latched on. Because at the time, I don't even know that uh, the fake Twitter accounts were that big, or if they were. Uh, somebody, somebody. Well, first of all, it seemed like early in the Twitter days, at least early for me, knowing about it, everyone was the real so and so, and then someone did pretend to be me, and they were making all these ridiculous, um, you know, just saying things that I wouldn't have said, and then, you know, I. I, I, I can't remember exactly all the different whatever whatever it was. I mean, it's just it was if, if anybody was pretending to be you and saying things that wasn't it wasn't you, yeah. you wouldn't want that to be anyone to think it was you. So I wasn't the real me. I was just I was not the fake one. And that that was where we started. And however many years ago, that was that was it in the Twitter space, which I was as anti as, as I mean, a lot of people are sort of like, this is dumb. Who cares if you're eating a sandwich? But you realize, oh, it's not necessarily eating a sandwich. It's this is where we find out everything that's happening in real time. Right. Sure. All right. I lied. Last one. Um, live golf uh, versus the PGA. Is this ultimately good or bad for golf? Good for the dudes that got all the money. It just I don't think it. I don't think it benefits people that like the game because you don't you don't end up with as many of the best people together um, as you would hope. You'd, you'd hope to, that these people are playing, I don't know, pick a, pick a PGA Tour event, you know, the Memorial, you know, or, or some, some tournament we've seen a lot through the years where you're just used to seeing all, those, all these people playing. Um, you know, not having them all together benefits nobody. And it just, it's a bummer. I get why they did it. I mean, it's a pot full of money. I don't, I don't know who among us, if they were, pres- I mean, I get, People saying that where the money comes from, and that doesn't, you know, I understand that. But none of us are, are presented with that, that moral dilemma of $100 million or not, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's just, I, I don't know, I don't know where it ends. I mean, at some point they will have had, they'll, the Live Tour will have as many people as they can get on it, and there won't be any more guys getting poached, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. But uh, certainly for the last year and a half, it's been an incredible amount of conversation that's just, um, I don't know. I, I don't know where to go with it anymore. Last week, one of our production folks was like, well, what do you think about, you know, Rory's talking about what Phil said. And I said, how, how, how many weeks do you guys want to do this? <laughs> you know, right. how many, how many times do you want me to do Rory responding to Phil who said this about live? I mean, this is, this, this is a, a dog chasing tail story. Nothing's advancing. We're just saying the same sorts of things um, where I just don't think every side is pretty well established. I, I know what the live guys think yeah. and I know what the PGA tour people think. And, that isn't going to suddenly change, yeah. um, at least for the time being. So I don't think it. I don't think it benefits anyone that loves golf to not have people playing together, um, because then you don't ever really know for sure, you know, outside of the majors, uh, who who the best player in the world is that week. Scott, you've been so gracious with your time. Go back to your family. Uh, my son, uh, I'm late to pick him up. Also, so. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, at least they didn't. At least, at least, hopefully, he didn't fall off the bed and injure himself in the middle. Which hopefully we can carefully edit around the part where I I did the poor parent. Yes, yes. Uh, well, my son's almost seventeen. If he's still if he's right. falling off the bed, then we got issues. But well, uh... exactly, you, you, you didn't wait till you're an old middle aged guy to start your family. So presumably, uh, yeah, exactly, he's fine. Well, my best to your family, and uh, it's kind of you to spend the time with me. I thank you for asking, Scott. I'm a fan of yours. So. Until we meet again 25 years down the road. Yes, sir. You are the best. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. All the best. Continued success, man. Thank you. You too. Scott did a great job answering the rapid-fire questions. I had about 10 more, but I had to go. He clearly had to go. Hopefully his kids are okay. 
But, man, what a great guy. What a great guest. Uh, so good. You can see why he is loved by millions. Uh, when I tweeted out that he was the guest on this show, I got great response because of Scott's wonderful work uh, on so many platforms. And, like I said, I'll be throwing it to him Wednesday night when, uh, when the Lakers-Denver game is over, right to Scott. But I literally have not seen him in person for two and a half decades. It's just a crazy aspect of this business. But thanks so much to Scott, and thanks to you again for listening as well. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. I'm Dave Pash. Thanks again to Scott Van Pelt and to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.